Welcome to the St. Benedict Parish Sunday Message Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And now, here's this Sunday's message. Father Alex asked a question at the beginning of Mass. Who here is tired? I'm certainly uh, among them. Losing that one hour of sleep, really, uh, we feel it here. I want to start with uh, another question here, a poll question for everybody. And so, again, by a show of hands... How many people know what it's like to feel overwhelmed? How many people know what it's like to feel? And if you're watching online, you can, uh, you can type in the chat if that's you. You can just, just uh, join in the poll. How many people have even felt overwhelmed in the last, say, week or so? Just something or other. Okay, yeah. There we go. So uh, I don't think I need to make the case, whether it's pressure at work, family stuff, health stuff that comes up, the never-ending to-do to list, email. Email is my kryptonite. My solution would be to never read or write another email. And then everyone will feel equally neglected, right? (laughs) We all feel overwhelmed at different points. It's this universal experience. But what I want to suggest is that feeling underwhelmed is also a universal experience. Prepare to be underwhelmed, even by this homily. Uh, but there's, there's so many things in life, good things, that can leave us underwhelmed. Here are a few examples, right? You hear friends talking about a movie that's amazing, there's all this hype, you finally get to go and see it, and you're like, yeah, that was all right. <laughs> or you're watching this TV show, season one is amazing, you get to season two, and it takes a nosedive. You know what I'm talking about? Or um, some of you, I don't know if there's any foodies in the crowd today. Some of you going to a restaurant, you have this great expectation of what you'll experience. Now, Father Alex, he's been trying to drag me out to experience together the chicken Big Mac. <laughs> Limited time only. And he's like super stoked about this whole thing. I have this sneaky suspicion that I'm just going to be underwhelmed, right? And I was driving down the street the other day, I saw this billboard for this little guy, the Shamrock Shake. Some of you might remember, I think it was about a year ago, uh, I was forced to experience one of these things, and, uh, and I'm just having PTSD even seeing that. It was like I was both underwhelmed, and yet my GI tract was overwhelmed to the point that I thought, am I lactose intolerant? Like, this is crazy. So, anyways... We can, we can be underwhelmed by things, overwhelmed. Uh, we recently had Max and Gavin with us, these parish mission speakers, wonderful guys, one from the UK, one from Ireland. Gavin particularly, just amazed by all the snow that we have. Every time we'd walk by what he called a pile of snow, uh, he wanted to get a photograph. He, he saw one in the parking lot, this pile of snow that was taller than he is, which, uh, which is saying something. But personally... I grew up in Ottawa, so I've seen snow my whole life. I find it kind of underwhelming, right? In life, there are things that overwhelm us, there are things that underwhelm us, and so often it's the case that the bad stuff, whether in our own personal world or the state of the world around us, can be so overwhelming. And yet, the good stuff, these, some of these things, even like entertainment or food or, or a vacation or even a relationship, can sometimes leave us feeling underwhelmed. 
And I think one of the greatest travesties of all is when the message of good news, the thing that is supposed to be the best news on earth, the best news of all human history, leaves us feeling underwhelmed. And it's, isn't it the case that, that for many of us, even if we've been coming to church our whole lives, we've, we've kind of heard the gospel message, as it's called, and, and yet it's like, yeah, yeah, I know something about Jesus, something about the cross, some, but it's like, it, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't seem to make a difference. And I, I stumbled upon this quote from Pope John Paul II. In 1979, he wrote this. The gospel kerygma, that, think that kernel, that core, the gospel kerygma, the initial ardent proclamation by which a person is one day overwhelmed and brought to the decision to entrust himself or herself to Jesus Christ by faith. And the quote continues, but, but these two words I want to jump out at us, that the gospel is meant to overwhelm us to the point that it leads to a decision for Jesus. And actually, when we read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's two basic groups of people, those who are either overwhelmed by Jesus or underwhelmed when they encounter Jesus, right? In the, the latter category, Pharisees, scribes, their hearts were so hardened that Jesus, he came along and he literally healed a man who was paralyzed. And they're like, yeah, we're not that impressed. <laughs> or this guy who was born blind, his entire life he had never seen anything healed. And they're like, isn't it uh, the Sabbath today? That's a no-no. Underwhelmed. Meanwhile, we've got these other people in the crowd, various, various people who are, they encounter Jesus, they're overwhelmed by his love. <laughs> by the way, there's like no middle ground here, right? You're either overwhelmed or underwhelmed by Jesus. You can't just be whelmed. <laughs> well, today in the gospel, we have a character this Samaritan woman, who I think begins as one and, and ends up somewhere else. Quick recap, I, I know there's a lot to this story, and we even left out a few parts, so I encourage you, go back and read John chapter 4. Jesus and his disciples, they're walking from the south, from Galilee, up north, I'm sorry, the south Judea, up north to Galilee, and they're about two days into this journey through the wilderness, and Jesus, in his humanity, he's tired. He's probably hungry, he's thirsty. The disciples head off to wrestle up some grub, and Jesus is sitting by this well, high noon, and this single woman walks up to the well to draw water, and right away there's two things that are very suspicious about this. Scholars believe that, that there were several other wells much closer to town, and yet why did she go far into the wilderness to draw water there, which just so happens to be the place where she encounters Jesus. Second, it's high noon. Nobody in their right mind would draw water in the hottest part of the day. Most would wait for the cool of the evening. And so you get the sense that she's deliberately trying to avoid people. And I think we soon discover that she's living in this kind of wilderness of shame. As the conversation begins. Jesus 
uh, asks her for a drink of water and they get talking. Her past comes up and, and we didn't hear it today, but, but essentially Jesus is like, hey, go call your husband. And she's like, well, I don't have a husband. And he says, you're right in saying that because you have had five husbands and the man you're living with right now, you're not even married to. It's like, even by Hollywood standards, that's pretty messed up. I mean, imagine being, being married and divorced five times. That's crazy. And, and I, I just imagine this woman, here she is, she's overwhelmed by these powerful desires she has within her, this longing to be loved, to be known, to be cared for. And yet, relationship after relationship leaves her dissatisfied, underwhelmed. And what's fascinating as the conversation continues, uh, she has this kind of basic head knowledge of the good news, that there is this prophecy that even though she's a non-Jew, she knew there was this Messiah who was coming who would rescue the people. And yet, like many of us, even though she knew the good news, it didn't make a difference. It, was, it, it didn't really matter. It didn't change anything. She was underwhelmed by that, that good news. Until the point where Jesus, as they're having this conversation, he finally pierces through with three words. Yeah, yeah, there's this Messiah. We heard about him, whatever. He says, I am he. I am the one. I am the one that these prophecies spoke of. Uh, more than that, I am the man that you've been longing for. And just to give a bit of context, they're, they're at Jacob's well, and several Old Testament characters, including Isaac, Jacob, Moses, they met their future wives at a well. And here they are, Jesus, you know, after these seven or sorry, these six underwhelming relationships, Jesus is the seventh man who shows up to, to sweep her off her feet, to rescue his beloved, to be the bridegroom that she had been longing for her entire life. And because of that, she is overwhelmed by this revelation. She leaves her water jar at the well. She runs to town to the very people that she was trying to avoid her entire life to tell them, you've got to come meet this guy. He's told me everything about my life. And, and in turn, that whole crowd of people, the whole town, they, they go out to meet Jesus at this well, and they too are overwhelmed to the point that the very last line, it says, it is no longer because of what you said, the woman, what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. In other words, it goes from just some kind of uh, head knowledge from somebody else, like for example, you know, for those of us, our parents might have brought us to be baptized, great, a friend has maybe encouraged us along the way. At a certain point, it's got to get personal that I need to be overwhelmed personally by Jesus and make the decision to follow him. What we, what we witness in the story, I believe, is meant to be normative for all of us as we are, are called to encounter Jesus. And yet, as I said, so many of us, the gospel, it leaves us underwhelmed. And it's like, why is that? 
I think for one, it's because whoever's preaching the gospel isn't doing a great job. And I hold myself responsible. If, if I've been ineffective in, in proclaiming this good news, uh, that's, that's on me to, to, to speak it in a way that's clear and effective. But secondly, I think so many of us, we're so overwhelmed by other stuff, by, by all the bad news. And even when we come to church, there's so much going on. We don't have kind of the space or the capacity to be open to good news. And I think we need to flip the script to realize, yeah, of course there is so much bad news, but there's good news that's infinitely more powerful. And sometimes we have to create space to actually be open to that, to reflect on some of the most profound and important questions in life. Things like, provocative questions like, why is there something rather than nothing? Why are there planets? Why, why are there stars? Why are there waterfalls? Why do you exist? Questions like, why is everything so messed up? Like, really? Why is everything so messed up? Why, even like the Samaritan woman, why am I so messed up? This experience of sin and death everywhere, just, just in terms of sin, and you don't have to raise your hand for this one. But uh, just ask yourself, have you ever been tempted to do something that you knew you didn't want to do, you knew you shouldn't do it, you hated doing it, and yet you did it anyway? That's it, right? What has God done about all of this? If anything, what has God done about this messed up world that we live in? And I'll give you a hint, it involves Jesus who literally rescues us. And finally, what would you give to a man who rescued you? These are, these are some of the most important questions we need to spend time with, and, and sometimes we're so rushed, we're so overwhelmed with other stuff, we, we haven't really spent the time. Now, I believe that as your pastor, you know, I got lots going on, and, and yeah, much of my life, I do, I do feel a bit overwhelmed by all the tasks I have before me, and I, I feel like I perform most of them at best in a mediocre way. But, but I also believe that my number one job is to ensure that you are overwhelmed by the gospel. That you are brought to a place where you're, you're able to respond to make a decision for Jesus. And so we're, we're offering another opportunity for this. We have this thing coming up uh, on, on Tuesday, starting Tuesday, March the 14th, 7 p.m., in our auditorium downstairs, it's called The Rescue Project. And it's a nine-week series that you can join in for a fresh way to hear the gospel in a way like you've never heard it before. So I want to invite everybody to check this out. Uh, if, you're, if you're brand new, if you're here today for the first time, if you've been here so long that you helped build this church, we all need to hear this message. I need to hear this message again and again and again. And it's meant to change us and transform us. If you're in a life group, by the way, you might consider just doing this on your own with your group at a time that's convenient for you. We'll give you the videos and you can, you can journey with this. We want for hundreds of people to be overwhelmed by the gospel. Beginning this Lent, but it's, it's going to continue into Easter and the gospel is meant to continue 
for the rest of our lives. There's a bit of a personal connection here, and so we've got this uh, short video from the founder, Father John Ricardo, uh, that he, he created just to share with us, to assure us of his prayers. So let's just dim the lights here and we'll play the video. At St. Benedict's in Halifax, I'm Father John Ricardo on behalf of our team here at Acts 29. We're the creators of the Rescue Project. We just wanted to reach out and to assure you of our prayers as you embark on this journey. So Father Simon and I go back a few years. We connected a little bit when I was um, pastor at Our Lady of Good Counsel in Plymouth, Michigan, and Father Simon was helping out at Wayne State University. and was impressed from the get-go with your zeal and passion, hunger for the gospel, and uh, was only glad that you didn't come more than you did to the parish because they probably just would have wanted to listen to you as opposed to me. We've been fans of the great work that the Lord's been doing at St. Benedict's for a long time, first with uh, Father Mallon and now uh, with you both, and are just really excited to see what's going to happen through the Rescue Project. The Rescue Project is what the Lord's put on our hearts as a response to what we think is the most urgent evangelistic need in the church, which is a compelling and attractive proclamation of the gospel. And so we're hoping that three things will happen as you go through this journey together. First, that you'd be overwhelmed, perhaps for the first time, perhaps anew, by the power of the gospel and all that the Father has done for us in the person of his son, Jesus. Second, that you'd make a decision, maybe for the first time, maybe anew, to surrender everything to Jesus in faith. And then third, that we would get mobilized for mission, that we would understand that our mission as Jesus' disciples is to continue the work that he began on Easter Sunday. And the work that he began was the recreation of this world, which he loves, which one day he will come back and make entirely new. But in the meantime, there's work to do. We passionately believe nobody is alive right now by chance, that God has destined us to be alive at this moment in history. And much like St. Joan of Arc once famously said, we are not afraid. God is with us. We were born for this. That's true for every single one of you. You were born for this moment. And we're eager to see what the Lord wants to do in and through you. Be assured of our prayers and please pray for us. We love you. God bless. Just, uh, an addendum on that story, I texted Father John on Tuesday, Tuesday night, and he, he responded right away. I said, hey, we're just, uh, we're just about to start this in a week. Please, please pray for us. He said, I'm about to celebrate Mass at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. He's right there in Jerusalem, the Church of the Empty Tomb. And he said, I'm going to carry you and all of your parish in with me as I offer Mass here. And so, Father, we, we thank you for all the prayers that have been going on. In preparation for this, we pray for an openness in our own hearts that we would be overwhelmed by the message of good news, overwhelmed by your Son, Jesus, and be able to respond to him with all of our lives. Thanks so much for listening to the St. Benedict Parish Sunday Message Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. Have a lovely day.